Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, Fury crew. Welcome to episode 85 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Today's guest is my friend and mentor, Gavin Van Vlack. Gavin's back. Gavin is the owner of Physical Culture Collective out in Bushwick, Brooklyn. He's also the founding member and guitarist of New York hardcore legendary bands, Absolution, Burn, and uh, also his latest thing, which rips, Canonized. So had a great chat with Gavin. You're going to hear a lot of noise in the background as we were at his spot. Uh, always good catching up with them. And let's talk about some things going on in the world of Fury right now. So workshops, original strength pressing reset certification hits MSC Strength in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, again, that's June 15th. Come out for that one. There's still some spots available. Really excited for DVRT Level 1 and Level 2 in NYC at Momentum Fitness. That's going to be July 20th and 21st. We haven't had a Level 2 in a while in the city, so I'm very excited to be teaching those. August 18th, the HKC Hardstyle One Day Kettlebell Certification is happening at MFF Bowery. And then in September, the 7th and the 8th, on the 7th, Original Strength Pressing Reset Certification. The next day on the 8th, we're going to have the DVRT Workshop. I love teaching those ones. This is going to be at ACWA Tulsa out in Oklahoma. Looking forward to seeing the Ripitos and the crew out there. And then the October RKC in the city with me and team leader Jason Kapnick is sold out. We've actually opened up another one on 11, 9, and 10. So there's a new RKC coming. So that's going to be basically every other weekend there's going to be an RKC that month. So sign up for that. Things in the works for December. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you for all your support. In the Fury crew has officially moved out of the living room. Uh, we're out. Fury Industries has moved out of the living room, and we are sharing space at Brooklyn Center Stage Dance Studio. Yesterday was the first day of classes, and I just want to really thank not only the crew and all of you that have been supportive of the move, but also Heidi and Val, the owners of Brooklyn Center Stage. It is really cool um, how open, how supportive, and helpful they're being with this. It's awesome. So if you're in the neighborhood, uh, come train with me, small group training. Visit CoachFury.com for any information on training with me, whether it's personal training, small group training, or online coaching. And of course, any workshops are all up there, as well as episodes of this show. Hey, do you dig this show and you want to show some financial support? Visit Patreon.com slash CoachFuryPodcast, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash CoachFuryPodcast. And you can donate like a buck an episode or a couple bucks an episode to help support the show. I would like to buy uh, additional mics and a mixer. Could have done a little bit better job mixing uh, Gavin and I's just because, again, when you have all this ambient sound. So uh, the money goes back into the podcast. But uh, anyway, I love you. I love you for listening. I, I really do appreciate the support. Hey, let's listen to Gavin and I on the Coach Fury Podcast. I'm more sensitive about the mic levels around a fucking musician than I am normally. I'm like, I'll just deal with the levels. But you're going to be like... That sounded like shit. You should have changed the frequency. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's so many podcasts out there right now. There's like one of, one of my favorite people. He's a big time YouTuber. I'm not going to mention his name. He does some really, really poignant shit. Now, I, what I like is that he calls a lot of bullshit on people. But his podcast is close to unlistenable. Um, and it's not because of the content. The content is good. But it's like, you know, face it. Like, not everyone is good at, at EQing mics and like, you know, setting gain and compression and all that stuff it's like you know it's one of those things it's, it's definitely an art but uh yeah it's funny because yeah like it's tough to listen to sometimes to you'll hear like these podcasts with great content but it's like oh my god this hurts my ears i always yeah. fear that that's my show <laughs> um no um, it's like i've had a couple of like marginal audio episodes but overall, like i remember right. i remember when tate first started the pirate life one like sometimes his levels were like so quiet that uh that it was like, you know, it's like, what is, why is he whispering? But, you know, it's like, but that's one of the things that we need to, you know, it's like, it's it's learning an art, you know, it's learning a format. It's funny, when you're like, I'm not going to name anybody, the first thing that went in my head, and I don't know Tate personally, but I was like, it's Tate, because I know there was a Mike Vallely episode that I was dying to listen to. Yeah. Uh, and I, it was like inaudible to the point I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to no, that No, it's not, slide. it wasn't Tate, it wasn't Tate, I know the, the episode, it wasn't Tate that I was talking about, it's someone else who's like a current, current, current YouTuber in the fitness realm, who... Uh -oh. uh, who I, I really do, uh, I enjoy a lot of his content because he's very fucking pragmatic about it. And I think that's something that's been 
I, I'd like to get into that because it's, it's something I think that is really, really um, missing in fitness is pragmatism and, uh, you know, patience. I think it's a huge thing. Um, we get people that, I think we're just getting over to the right side of the bell curve now of the extreme fitness thing because you're seeing just more and more fucking injuries and uh, I mean, I forget who it was and I'm probably going to get a shitload of hate mail for it but I forget the girl's name but she's like a big time CrossFitter. Um, She was in like the Wonder Woman thing. She was one of the Amazons or whatever that was but um, and she like it was funny because they had her in some strength challenge with uh, with like a bodybuilder, a power lifter, and an Olympic lifter. And it was like her resume was like injuries. It was like, you know, blown out <laughs> shoulder, blown out knee, blown out. And it's like, I'm a CrossFitter. I'm like, well, that's not really speaking to... I mean, like, I, I deal with combat athletes and like, she's, you know, she has more injuries than some of my combat athletes had. And these people beat each other up. You know, Jiu-Jitsu yeah. and Muay Thai. It's like, you know... It's, and people need to get over that idea of the, what they see on YouTube and Instagram. A lot of that time, a lot of the stuff that you see, those aren't workouts. Those are fucking feats of strength and that's all well and good. But I had someone ask me like, oh, you should really post like, you know, post like, you know, what are your workout videos? Like someone wants to watch me do a set of five deadlifts every three minutes for fucking an hour? Really? <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's it's the weirdest thing. And, and it's like I post the occasional workout thing that's not like a tip. If I think it's something like I've been working on. You know, we were talking about steel maces earlier. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm getting better at that. But we also talked about, like, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot's being made out of the mace and I've got is that I think it's fantastic for a few things. Um, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole of like trying to multi-purpose, but I think sometimes in everything of fitness, we try to multi-purpose for the sake of multi-purposing, not like what makes the most sense, right? Yeah. Um, like Hankin would say, Josh, uh, Hankin would say like, what's the best thing to swing? It would be a kettlebell. It's like yeah. perfectly designed for that. But like, <laughs> so you can't just take everything. You're going to see someone sw- trying to swing a mace. But Trust that, me. That idea, <laughs> right? I know. You but know. it's that idea of like. It's going to look really kind of phallic too, if you think. <laughs> yeah, right. It's going to look like a bizarre yeah. kind of cock thrust. Um, but it, it's this idea that like, I, who wants to see every set of swings that I do or every set of presses yeah. or get ups that I do yet? We keep putting that out because I don't know. Is there like a really like a trainer fear that someone's going to forget that as a professional fitness person that we lift? Uh, I struggle. This is a long history on the podcast, actually, about me and trying to gauge what I do and how I use social media. I want to be like happy with something. Maybe it's a PR. I don't want to show you every bent press. I don't want to show you every bench press. I, I don't want to just show you stuff so that you see that I'm working. Um, I want that part to be who comes to my workshops and has a yeah. good time. I want to see that to be the Fury Crew when they come in and take a class or a personal training session that they're doing new shit. Like that social media stuff's more about them, but yeah. on the flip side, and I had this great talk with the owner of the studio I'm training out of now. Hey, we're in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Check out with, that ambiance. With all the ambiance, <laughs> all the all the J and M. Of course, the J and M train never runs, except you'll hear it all the way through this podcast. For my film friends, maybe we'll record some room tone after, uh, so we can we can mix it in later. But uh, I was talking with Val Wright, who owns the um, Center Stage Dance Studio, and we were just talking about, you know, do you do you Instagram your classes? And I, I said that, you know, I, I basically stopped because, yeah, like somebody will say, like, if, if you were if I was training you in some bizarro world and you were like, you know what, I'm going to try this deadlift. Can you record me? I'd be like, yes. Yeah. But record like me being like, can I record this so I can share it? I feel like I'm infringing on your time that we forget sometimes like you'd be paying to train with me, yeah. you know, as the crew member. Yeah. And so I'm always on that thing. So like, yeah, I don't post my workout so much unless I'm stoked on something or I've been working on something or my mobility has improved. Um, I, I like celebrating my clients. I want to go back because I think this is an interesting thing that I've been. Yeah, see, we're not kidding. Every time I hear an L train, I think of the French connection. Yeah. I know it's the wrong part of Brooklyn, <laughs> but I keep thinking of that. Um, is we're getting this weird now that like things like CrossFit are years people have had a lot of time they're not like the new hot thing they've actually been around is i'm starting to get some clients that have 
uh, it's less about like, oh, that hurt me and now I need to do something else. It's more about actually the mindset of perpetually crushing. They're like, I have to yeah. do something else, but I don't want to do something else. And I don't feel like this thing is working the way the other thing did. And I have to be, I had to have this conversation with someone about, you know, my first rule isn't make you stronger, isn't make you lose weight, isn't make you touch your toes. My first rule is do not harm you, right? That yeah. is classic for all of us. Do no harm, yeah. And I had to explain that, that that is like really the first thing. And, and the person thought it was more that I was saying that because they deemed themselves older. And I'm like, no, I should be, if anything, stressing that even more younger so you don't end up beat yeah. up like I feel I well, you am have to now. Set, you have to set habits. And that's the thing is that addiction, and it's really, really, uh, it's, it's really prevalent in martial arts is that addiction to overtraining. Yeah. You know, and it's that, that whole idea of, of, you know, oh, I got it. You know, that one of the things I always fucking like, I look at it now and it's like that whole concept of like the training. And I know there's going to be people out there that are going to get so pissed off. The training has to be harder than the fight, which isn't true. The training has to be smarter than the fight because by the time you get into the ring or go out onto the mat and you're taking all of those systems so that you've been training separately if you've been doing it properly and putting them into one package, you have to be on autopilot. Yeah. You have to be on autopilot. You have to have your technical A game. Your, all, all, of your, all of your energy systems need to be aligned properly so that your strength values are good. Your cardiovascular values are good and you don't have to worry about them. What was that? It was, I forget his name, but George St. Pierre's trainer was on Rogan and he, it, it was actually kind of like a mind blowing, amazing episode. Cause to the, to the oh, extreme, he's that, a hobby. He's, yeah, he's a genius. That he's he a, takes it to the point fight. where you, no one should be sore after a workout. No. If you're sore after a workout, you have pushed too hard and you're taking away from the actual fight. So yeah. especially in the case of training a, a fighter or any sort of athlete, if they're sore from your session, that is output they can't deliver on or potential higher risk. Yeah. Factors now. Look in my world, like I, I'm not. I don't work too too directly with like athletes per se. People that train with me, you push the edge a little bit, and I mean by the edge, I don't mean the bleeding out your asshole edge. I mean like you push your boundaries a little bit because you got every now and then test yourself to see where you're at. But like you get a little sore, but it's an adaptation thing. Yeah. It's not something like where every session I want you to feel sore, but we market that shit because it's like the the sexy Rocky vibe. Yeah. But what I think we forget is when we do that shit is that like we forget that that's what scares people out of the gym. Mm -hmm. But every person you have in your gym right now that's there because they want to have their soul crushed because they want to prove themselves, there's fucking 50 people that know they need to do something yeah. but are perceiving that crushing as everything. So well, absolutely. But the, the, the thing is, too, is that this is going to seem like, you know, this is going to seem like a kamikaze statement, but exercise isn't, what's going to get you to recompose. But exercise is probably the single most beneficial thing that you can do for yourself. You have to separate that mindset of like, oh, I'm doing this because I want to be lean and sexy. If you want to be lean and sexy, let me quote the prophet Larry Betts, quit eating like a fucking five-year-old. Okay. He's looking me dead in the yeah. eyes because I have been eating like a five-year-old. Well, <laughs> Actually, I've been eating like a twelve and a nine-year-old with my kids. Yeah, anyway. but that's the thing. It's like if you want, if you want to lean out, by the time you get around to the point of being like, oh my, and this is this is the factor it always is. Like, by the time you get in the factor, you're you're like, oh my god, I've gotten so out of shape. You're usually hitting your thirties and stuff, and you've hit that. You've gone past the twenties where you could actually. You could out-exercise out a shitty yeah. diet. Yeah. You know, and you can't. Hey, that timer means I have to go put money in the meter. This is a true Brooklyn episode. Good. I'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Uh, go grab a caveman coffee. Gavin loves that shit. Uh, <laughs> and stop by PCC while we're on home. All right, changes in the meter, and we were talking about nutrition, and, and yeah, I'll say this. I used to, before I knew anything about fitness, and I was just trying to work out, and I was running a lot, I would check how many miles I went, how many calories I burned, and I would gauge. How, I literally talk about outrunning a donut. I would look at a thing of Enderman's Donuts and be like, okay. That was in my 30s, and for a little while, that even worked in my 30s because it yeah. was such a new amount of stimulus. Yeah. Because like, I always had like a, a skater engine, yeah. but I had a garbage truck mouth, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, 
I struggle with that now. I was really good for a while. And then my kids hit this age where like we can go out and go see a movie, go do something together. And it's so easy to fall into pizza burger, you know, bar food mode. Yeah. I'm not taking my kids to the bars, but you know what I mean? It's like that, that same type yeah. of shit. Um, <laughs> which was well, it's funny. I think I was actually going to bars <laughs> like with my, with my pop at that point. Um, but uh, it, it, it's that weird conversation where not only is it the unfun thing, no one wants to watch what they eat. No. No one wants to hear that. And I've said this on, you know, one of the things I've told people. Diets like, don't work. I, I, and I'm like, I tell people, like, I can guarantee I will help you move better and I will make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Those two, fucking train with me for th- four weeks, I will make that happen. Yeah. Train with me for two weeks, I will make that happen. Or even two hours, I will make you feel stronger and move better. But I can't make you lose weight because yeah. I only have this amount of time. Yeah. And even when they ask, like, how many sessions... I'm like, look, for fitness, three is a great roundabout number. Like, it's a good amount of uh, exertion throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Try to find some other stuff to do outside. I am a big believer now of uh, unless you're really into a sport that, like, I don't know about taking classes five, six days a week. For me, that becomes, like, you, I would like to think you have some outside stuff to do. That's not a judgment call. But, yeah. like, for me, skateboarding. I know that when I got really down the fitness ladder, I stopped skating because I was just spending every day basically at five points training because it was super fun and new. Yeah. But then you realize like, oh, I was training. So I had the capability of doing this other stuff other than train more. Yeah. Um, Three times. But within those three hours at most, right? Like how much of that is actual lifting time? Yeah. Fucking everything else is the food. And I'm at the point where like I'm starting to look at for to recommend uh, and people comment on this like. The, the, the meal prep companies like Kettlebell Kitchen and um, Blue Apron and all that yep. stuff. Anything to simplify for those like myself that are like, I, it's going to be hard for me to go sit there and cook. Like, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not a guy like, I just know it. It's a fucking a cop out. I love cooking. But I know it. Well, I've heard you cook. I'm not a good cook. Kim's uh, great cook. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not going to do that. I just know it. I got to grow up too on that. But that's the hard part. So on one end of the fitness spectrum, you have these like, idea of super high intensity crushing workouts that people get hurt on or they wear themselves out on on the other end you have this idea of like well if i work out super hard i'm going to be able to eat whatever i want and neither of those work but here's the thing and it's like i'm i'm not saying anything that other other much smarter people haven't said diets don't work the reason diets don't work is because it's your if you're on a diet that means you're going to be off a diet okay and that means it's not sustainable. What you need to do is set up a sustainable pattern of eating throughout your life. And there's all these, like the keto diet, the, you know, the caveman diet, the carnivore diet, which to me is absolutely, and I'm an omnivore, but I have yet to see a diet, like any kind of dietary system that actually works that isn't laden with fucking vegetables. You know, it's like, if you're telling me that you're going to, you know, oh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson, all he does is eat meat. Well, then good. Then I've got something else different with him as well because it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, It's also that idea of like trying to track, trying to track like, okay, that's like a relatively new, I know it's been around, but like right now, like we, when you're in fitness long enough and I'll claim that I've been in it long enough, it's, it's, you see these trends of diet plans and nutrition schemes yeah, that but come in. Always down that way. Everybody always goes back to like, oh, but it's our ancestral. It's not fucking ancestral. It's fucking made up. It's like how we, it's like how we, cont- we contorted the whole thing of like, Columbus discovered America. Bullshit. Let's, we all know that's bullshit. And everybody talks about like, oh, but the Inuits, they survive on only animal products. Yeah, except when they cut open an elk's stomach and eat the internals, okay? You basically they're eating pre-fecal material, okay? So let's be real about this. It's we we as humans we try to construct things to make it be like, oh, but this this society lived this way and only on this because that's what you want to do. You basically just want to live on candy. You're trying to back up your. You story. want to live on candy. That's what you want. I want to eat what I want to eat. It's not that fucking simple. Not at all. You know? It, 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 but it's like, you know, some of these newer things that are, are becoming trendier and people see results. Like change, generally speaking, change will show results in one yeah. way or another. But we don't know enough long term. Like what if you are only – folks, uh, carnivore is literally has it sounds. You only eat meat basically. Yeah. Like there's nothing else. It's meat. Yeah. Uh, and it became very popular after Jordan Peterson. You can Google him and see what side of the fence your, your belief system is with him. Uh, I don't mean that judgmental, folks. Just – uh, I, I think he's got some smart stuff to say, but I'm not a, a full, uh, yeah. full on uh, Peterist, Petersonist, yeah. um, <laughs> Petersonist, 
make that a thing. Call him that from now on. Uh, but his daughter and himself, both, especially his daughter, had some amazing things with uh, medical things from eating on the carnivore. So people are starting to do it. Some lifters have gotten into it. But there's really no proof, per se, long-term, grand there's, scale. There's no real mass. studies. And the, yeah. N, the N is just so low on that. And, and it could yeah. really, on the other end you know fuck you up like people forget that these changing of eating things it's like literally the fuel that's like your body is thriving on <laughs> everybody, everybody has to be on these fucking extremes and no one wants to walk the midline like i i don't eat anything but cardboard you know it's like it, i mean the the vegan aspect of it and i've got some vegan athletes that i work with that are they're they're great but it's you really have to do a lot of things to tweak their diet for b6 and certain certain things that they're not getting um Hold on, I want to break into that for a minute, not yeah. to cut you off, but like coming from the hardcore scene, yep. uh, folks, if you don't know Gavin, like Google him, he's been in some of the greatest New York hardcore bands of all time. Uh, I don't say Thank that. You I don't much. just say that as a friend. He knows, like, I was a, a fan of his bands, and we didn't. I didn't realize that he was the fucking guitarist founding member of some of these bands until like I knew him for a year. I was like, oh shit, I didn't put the mm -hmm. connect the dots, but. The hardcore scene, in particular, yeah. for me, yeah. is the first time I ever heard of vegan. Yeah. Like, like it, for, and, and I think most people would want to not even realize in New York how much, as big as veganism's gotten in New York, how much of that stems yeah. from like you know a few hardcore bands and then growing out from there. Um, how have you how have you seen that evolve within fitness? Like, have you seen it? Because it seems like it's. Become more. Oh, we got we got Woodhall Psychiatric down the hall too, down the street too as well. <laughs> um, how have I seen? Here's the thing about it is that like the hard the hardcore scene has always been something that's gravitated seekers. You know, it's always gravitated like you know, it's pulled in people that are looking for to make a better life. And it's funny because I talked about this. I don't, um, I don't want to talk about this with Raganoff from Youth of Today, and our karma is so interlinked. You I would know? really like to meet that dude one day. So we, I went to that Youth of Today show yeah. over at Brooklyn Bazaar. Yeah. And I've, ne I've seen Shelter play a bunch. I never yeah. – it was the first time I saw Youth of Today. And, I mean, they fucking killed it. Yeah. You know, uh, Ray Capo, one of, Ray Today, one of my favorite frontmen of all time. Great frontman. Uh, and I didn't realize an amazing, again, on his own right, an yeah. amazing yoga. Uh, Huge yogi. Him and Parmanunda, John, both very, very, like – We've had uh, Parmenides has done workshops here. He's friggin' amazing because it's great because he'll go through the whole, and he'll tell stories about the hardcore scene and it's really really fun and it's good community. But that's the thing is we talk about that and like the hardcore scene is always drawn seekers. Yeah. You know seekers and like I think about it like like Norm Brandon from like Texas to the Reason. I've known Norm for ages. Always been a he's always been someone who's, who who has found himself through this musical scene. Um. You know, there's so, uh, um, God, there's just the list just goes on and on of people that have, we're looking for something different and that's what we're doing, you know? Well, I think it's, it's, it's the, one of the reasons it's funny, go, now that we're, you're in your early fifties, right? Like 50, yeah, 51, 51, right? And I'm in my, my, my coming up on my late forties is you find some of these things and your situation is going to be very different because coming from the Lower East Side, like yeah. that was a totally different, I'm coming from the suburbs, but like you, you, you realize that you know you don't fit in and you find people yeah. like-minded people to some degree that don't fit in but then when you realize when you get older that part of the thing that made you not fit in is that seeker mentality because yeah. you just for whatever reason couldn't buy in i couldn't buy in a fucking sports i couldn't yeah. buy in a, it just it was had zero interest to yeah. me and, well i mean it's, it's and i've said this and i think every every freaking podcast i've ever done one of my favorite quotes is the dan savage quote there's your biological family then your logical family yeah you know it's super bizarre, but I wanted to mention, uh, how do you pronounce his, his, his yogi name, Ooh. Purcells? Uh, Parmaninda. Uh, Parmaninda. Par he's playing. And look, like a lot of bands are playing back now. These are these are they got people that were like, you guys were kids yo, when you were making these. Yo, homie, he, homie is jacked. He fucking doesn't homie look like he aged jacked. at all. Homie is jacked. But, but like not even just like that, his Purcell, body's jacked. He I'll looks call, like he's like 25 dude, years he's old. He's so full of life. 
Like if you speak with him, you look at him and you look at his eyes. His eyes are clear. It's like that. Not like this is someone who is like he's on his path, you know. And it's like there's certain people that are that way. Like one of my favorite, one of my one of my training partners, Craig Satari from Sick of It All. That same thing is like that 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 brightness in the eyes. And Craig's yeah. also another vegetarian, you know. But he's also another person who I would consider. A spiritual seeker, and but the, what I like about the way Craig goes about it, and to my opinion, is the best good deeds are the deeds that aren't talked about, you know. Yeah. And that's something that, like, you know, it's the old joke of like, you know, you know, how do you know someone's vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, that I'm vegan. You know, and you always see the whole thing like, oh, I'm vegan. Oh, I do yoga, and the hands come together in this whole prayer. Well, does that put you closer to God? Hitler was a vegetarian. You know, let's, you know, and that's, that's an old, old one, you know, but let's, let's you know, like, let's not mix the two up. You know, it's like your spirituality and what you choose as a modality of movement and what you choose as a modality of diet, those, I, I, I don't understand the spirit that like how that makes you more, more spiritual. You know, I mean, I, I, and if it does, that's your thing. I don't know how tied that is to the to the Krishna background aspect of that too, though. That that would be where I would perceive that potentially, like 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 you know, so yeah. any other religion where they well, have I mean, restrictions but the, on the, food. the Krishna, but I mean, if you go into Ital, Ital religion, like a lot of the Ital religion is based in vegetarianism. You know, um, there's a lot of, of of religious, you know, the Buddhist, and and even the Buddhist. Buddhism is a sect off of, you know, Vedic Hindu, in all actuality. I mean, but it's it's a it's it's a dietary modality. Yeah. And I know there's again, like I'm going to say a lot of things are going to piss people off. So be it. But it's like that does not equate someone's spirituality to me. How someone eats, that is your process. Was, uh, I you guess know? it's an individual. It is an individual, an individual choice. perspective, an individual yeah. choice on, on why that goes. I, yeah. I, it's like I respect the shit out of it when someone's not bandwagoning. Yeah. You know, I, it's for me when it's like any anything, and I'm sure I've been on this, folks. Like, you know, as you grow up, you're like, how did I even try this or that? What? How did I get that shirt, that pants, whatever? And I think some people are still like trying to find themselves in that way where it's like, here we're gonna bandwagon this. It's all trial and error. And uh, but I think it's interesting because because veganism. It, it, it seems like it's becoming with the rise of yoga culture, but more and more prevalent, yeah. right? Like we're more aware of it, certainly with all the shit with Monsanto and organ, yeah. you know, organic foods and all that stuff. But it's funny to me just to think that I would have not, I don't know what age I would have been if, to hear the word vegan for the first time if it wasn't for hardcore music. Yeah. Um, I've dabbled with vegetarianism a little bit, but yeah. I, I'm a carnivore right now. Not yeah. carnivore diet eating meat. I, I eat a little bit of everything, including uh, ice cream and donuts <laughs> on occasion. I am an I'm an omnivore. I make a point of making of eating a lot of vegetables because I don't, you know. I, if I if, if I'm left to my own devices, I'm I'm like, I'm 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 cooking skirt steak on a reg, you know. And that's the thing. Like you know, I need to I need to really stand on, I need to stand on my own twelve year old and be like you know, <laughs> hey, you know, like eat your veggies, you know. Let's you know, drink some water and eat your veggies, you know. And uh, the water doesn't have to be colored brown. You know, it's like that's you know, that's, I, I'm I'm not I'm not fucking like talking from any high position. I know I know my I know my bad points as well. These you know? choices from a thought process are very easy. It's the emotional attachment we put to the things or to the flavors or to the cravings yes. that make them complicated. Yes. And that's why you know you mentioned like it's not a diet because a diet is something you're on and then you're off. It is about creating habits. So those like decisions don't come with so much emotional mm -hmm. setting, attachment. Setting to it. well, it's just like spending in a way. Like you know, I know I'm, I'm a collector. I'm a, like I buy vintage GI Joes and new Godzilla stuff because there's an emotional attachment to that item Absolutely. from my history. Food's have, the same way. People have emotional attachments to food. There's safety in that. There's you know, um, I mean, in myself, it's like being a, I'm a card carrying 17 year member of. Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's a, it's a dis, it's, I don't like to look at it as a disease. It's a, to me, it's a, it's a behavioral, it's a behavioral problem. Like you know, I'm obsessive compulsive about 
certain things. I can get that way. I got to a certain point. I had 38 fucking guitars. You know? Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> which I had to pare the fuck down. Um, you know, I can get like, you know, I, I had I had four of the same fucking SG. The same fucking guitar. You know? <laughs> Not even different colors. They were all the same damn color. You know? Um, but that's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things that I have to keep in check. Yeah, I think that's where, where my shit comes with. I have that obsessive compulsive thing, but then I also have, uh, I, I realize like I'm a, I'm a quick gratitude kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like I want, like I'm, this is what's going through my brain right now. I fucking want that thing right now. But that's, I don't think about but it later. That we're all, as humans, yeah. we're all wired towards comfort. We're all, that's why that's why so many people don't exercise. We're wired towards comfort. We're wired towards like rest and digest. That's what we want to be at. We don't want to put ourselves into those uncomfortable situations. Like, you know, like and we, we fear we don't just fear the training, we fear like, oh my God, but what if I'm not good at this? What if I'm not, you know, oh my I don't wanna look I don't wanna look like a fucking fool in front of people. Yeah. Any good martial arts school is a mistake receptacle. People should be allowed to make mistakes and course correct, and they should be given the given the direction. They shouldn't. I've seen way too many times that people get chastised or worst, not corrected, and just casted to the side, casted, yeah. cast to the side because oh, you're not going to get it. Well, they're not going to get it if you don't correct them, if you don't like show somebody how to do something, you know. And you know, oh, I heard this all the time. Oh, Muay Thai isn't for everybody. I have a different aspect on martial arts. My concept on martial arts is that it's skill based. It's skill based play. Yeah. I don't think I, I. I can't think of the last time we've had to load cannons out the windows at PCC because you know because the the moat was being stormed. <laughs> you know, this is skill based play, and that's what people you know, and that's that's how you know, it's like, it's like puppies when they you know when they wrestle, they're playing. It's skill based play. It, it's an interesting factor where how you mentioned you know. People come into a gym, and I think we, especially a martial arts gym, but any type of gym, especially when you fucking nicknames Coach Fury and you look like me yeah. before I open my mouth, like, there's, like, a, an intimidation. You know, everyone's, like, always, and I'll say this, unless I already know the person, like, when I go and to teach at a spot, yeah, I'm always a little nervous. Like, what's this going to be like? You know, yeah. uh, are, are the attendees going to be looking at me a different way? And I'm sure they are, because, like, I'm the instructor. They're going to be judging a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, like, the... Take that you and I as two relatively larger tattooed, yeah. shaved head, um, hardcore kids. Anybody else that's not into that category is going to feel amplified that threat level. Like yeah. people aren't going to fuck with you if you didn't know martial arts. You're going to be a lesser person to fuck with just by the way you look. Just like yeah. me, my friend Dave Moore would call it my invisible armor. Before I ever got into training or martial arts, yeah. it was like, yeah, they're not going to fuck with you because at the point I was like, you know, a heavy set, heavily tattooed, shaved head guy, yeah. the, you know, in the Lower East Side. So I'm dealing with that. So somebody comes in and then you either don't pay them attention or you pay them too much attention mm-hmm. where like they can't think they're doing anything right. Right. Yeah. Like, so one of those things that I try to do is I don't overcoach the shit out of anybody. Like when they come into a class, I'm going to try to hit them up a, a couple of things, a few things. I'm going to keep them safe, do no harm going back to the beginning, yeah. but I'm going to make sure that like they know they're getting attention. I'm keeping them safe and that they're making progress. But the worst is when just somebody just over coaches the shit out of them yep. because then they want to leave. So there's the starter intimidation, but then there's like, you talk about like people are going to fuck up and they are going to do wrong. Yeah. And they have to be allowed to. And then there's like a window. So the thing that I struggle with sometimes is do I really have to tell you what the name of this move is again for yeah. like the hundredth time yeah. or what bell to use for yeah. the hundredth time? Yeah. Like I, I, for me, I, I don't relate to that because my obsessive compulsive disorder yeah. on that was like, this is a kettlebell. These are the main things of a kettlebell. I want to get really fucking good at these, and then when I get good at those, I want to get stronger at those, and then I'm going to go on to here. Sandbag, same way. Gavin's yep. the one who showed me a sandbag. Um, if you've ever taken a, a workshop or a cert with me, it's because of this guy. So uh, thank him or give him the finger, whatever. That's why. <laughs> um, so uh, that's where I'm also, though, trying to like not sort of baby or participation award everybody where I'm like trying now a little sometimes it's a little bit of tough love of like look yeah you need to figure this out for yourself now you've learned mm-hmm. x amount yeah. you know like the, the the baby lamb has yeah got its footing and can fucking run yeah it just doesn't realize how fast it can run you yeah. need to now figure this out yeah. 
And that's where I struggle sometimes. Like, am I being too nice too much? Am I coming off like a dick? Is it like mentoring? Is it coaching? Um, but I think that's one of those weird struggles you find right now too, where on one end, you know, we go to those crush yourself types of modalities. On the other end, we have the like, everybody's included. Um, you know, there's no intimidation. We're all one big happy family. And I think that's a lot of bullshit. Like mm-hmm. I go, you know, some big box gyms, nobody knows anybody. Yeah. And like, literally it's like a, it could be a bunch of trainers looking around just trying to like hook up or, uh, sell sessions. Probably not in that order, sell sessions and then maybe hook up. So it's like a weird dichotomy where it really should be about the person, but then how do we ride that out? How do we still have it instill confidence? What I, what I try to do here, and it's like, you know, I, like, I love our, the athletes that I work with that I have here. I love them. They're great people. And like the competitive aspect, I think, is really cool. But that's not my focus. My focus here is I'm trying to make a room full of awesome training partners. I want someone to walk up this, these stairs who has never heard of Muay Thai, never heard of Jiu Jitsu, never, like, never seen the, the fitness stuff that we do, and be like, oh my God, I want to do this. This is amazing. This is so cool. I want to be involved in these people with these people. Yeah. You know, and it's like I try to make good training partners. And my and I tell people right off the get go, I said, listen, you might not get this today, but I'm gonna keep reminding you of it. Don't take it personally, but I will keep reminding you of it throughout the day because when you're out of here, I want that to stick in your head. Yeah. Because the power of that neurologically of you thinking about like, oh I didn't turn in my heel, I didn't I need to turn in my heel. I'm gonna turn in my heel like well if I turn in my heel, if you're thinking about that, just thinking about that has a certain amount of power to be able to improve someone yeah, you know I, I have a similar where when people come in for the first class or the first orientation i'm just like don't expect don't worry about remembering anything yeah if anything maybe try to think how this feels like so you, these types of moves feel tension in the back of your legs cool that's a hinge like just yep. just think of that as opposed to like i don't expect anybody to remember what their names are but it is that learning curve yep. allowing to like okay, at this point, we should be responsible for X. And it's like a grading system, but we don't really, I know some gyms have a grading system, I don't. But it's been, you know, when you mentioned like the good training partner thing, what was interesting, uh, I shot some testimonial videos of a couple of the crew members and Meg Hopkins is a coach. And she said this thing that I I didn't even really think about where she's like, one of the things she loves about training in, in our small group classes is that they uplift each other instead of compete with each other. Right. That like they literally drive each other, but it's not like I'm going to beat the clock or do better than somebody. And I was fucking like, you know, yeah, that stems, I guess, from my personality and how I deliver. Yeah. But like that wasn't a direct intent. So that's something that like also these partners in working in the room and not as intimately as martial artists and just being in the room together, being in the space have cultivated that. And I was like, fuck, that's like, one of the biggest wins I could think of that this is now beyond me. I'm providing a space and education, but you guys are now motivating each other. I was fucking stoked yeah. off of that. Thanks, that's, Meg. That's a big thing. I mean, and to have have a you know, to have. I mean, and it's it's tough when you deal that with the martial arts because you'll get people who like. I've been lucky with that because my my senior students like they'll know like someone's gonna get the newbie. Someone's gonna get the newbie, and it's like, here's the thing: it's like if you can if you can make it so that both you and that new person have an equally beneficial experience, that means you're doing something right in martial arts. Yeah, you know, and it's not all about you teaching this person like, oh, I have to walk, basically teach this person to walk. You have to learn how to be able to create a good training environment with someone who doesn't have the tools that you have. And, you know, being able to work with that person, that's super important. And I've been lucky because I've got a lot of people here that are, they, they understand it because someone has done it for them. Yeah. You know? I think it's great, though, when, I, you know, I'll take this as a very, uh, I, folks, I can't really claim any martial arts status whatsoever anymore. I've, I've given in my card. It's been probably about five years since I've trained. Um, I think the last time I hit anything was when I was in here, yeah. like, a year and a half ago when I first left MFF, I wish you were a lot closer to me. I would be here all the time. But, but in, I know for me, one of the earliest coaching things looking back and I didn't realize this is when I did hit a level at, at five points where I was able to help out as an assistant with new people. And even with some people in me, you know, on a moderately, but it wasn't so much that I was like great at something, but it helped me figure out how to talk to people. And I think if you're a martial artist and creating good uh, training partners, like, that is a skill worth yeah. training. Even if you never want to be a coach, as you go up that ladder, like being able to explain the whys behind brings clarity in your own form. Like, 
I've just seen my own techniques and stuff, and yep. you know whether it's the you know DVRT or OS or whatever, um, get better through explanation. Mm -hmm. Like so many times, I'm teaching a course and I just say something a little bit differently, unexpectedly, and it sticks in my head. Like I noticed that, like, oh, you haven't expressed this that way. Yeah. Thirty OS courses later, suddenly I'm viewing something in a different lens. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know if it's been thirty. That might have been an exaggeration, but it might actually be. It's probably less than thirty. Say fifteen easily. I've done over fifteen yeah. of those. And suddenly you're like, wow, that's crazy. It's big. And that's all from just talking to other people. Like, so I'm learning from those students. Um, what else is going on in the land of fitness for you? What's going on at PCC? Um, well, I mean, it's weird because the neighborhood that we're in, we're in Bushwick, which is like, it's, it's not really a transit. There's a lot, people come and people go, like you saw when that girl came in, she's like, oh, I'm in town for a month and a half, like, you know, I'm, I'm a photographer. We get a lot of people like that. They're like here for maybe three months, five months. Um, so it's kind of interesting because we're either like the place that they started out at or they're coming in from somewhere else that has it and they have experience, which is really kind of cool. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I really, it's been really weird over the past four years watching this neighborhood change. Because, it's pretty drastic. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, um, but I mean, being a New Yorker, like I've seen like the neighborhood I grew up in, Lower East Side, watching that change and uh, watching it, like, yeah. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've been thinking about this because, uh, so Gavin's a native New Yorker. I'm from Long I am not a native New Yorker. You're not Yorker, a native, no. but you've been I Lower grew East. Up, I, grew up in a, I grew up in a swamp in New Hampshire in actuality. I remember you telling me yeah. that now. But like, when did you move into Lower East Side? Uh, we moved down to New York when I was 12. Right. So, folks. <laughs> I started hanging out in the city mostly probably around like between 89 and 92. And it was occasionally to skateboard or go record shopping or whatever. I didn't go to a lot of shows in the city that uh, in the early mid 80s. Um, and one of the things that's fascinating, and Gavin and I were talking about this from the music scene a little bit earlier, is I think there's people that see like, oh, Starbucks have come in. But then there's like what you've witnessed and what a lot of our friends yeah. have witnessed of like, oh, you, you've been squatting. You've taken over this building, yeah, and then been forcibly evicted. Like people don't real—I don't think realize that level of change that this. Well, city I mean, has even gone beyond through. like forcibly evicted. Like I remember when I first, like I think it was like '86, '87, when I swore off squatting. Um, I was living on the last building I was living on was on Eighth Street, and. I went to, I went to go, I went down to, uh, I went down to DC, I think it was like 87, I think it was, I went down to see a Swiss show. Swiss. Yeah. And I went down to DC and I came back and the building I lived in had burned down. Oh no shit. And I was done. I was like, someone had paid, some speculator had paid someone to come in and light a fire. And I was like, I'm done. So I, me and a bunch of us moved to Williamsburg. Oh wow. Yeah. So... Uh, around 80, like, I, like 87 to 88 and into 80, the beginning of 89, I was living in Williamsburg. And it was really interesting because of like, like, Parman into Purcell, like there was this schism house. And then like at that point, like, you know, burn had started. There was like, you know, our, we lived in Power Street and it was like, uh, that whole area was so crazy. But uh, I was at a bar called Mona's in 1989. And a friend of mine who I'd lived in squats with came up and was like, hey, I found a building. And I was like, no, fuck you. No, <laughs> not doing it. And that was about 10 o'clock at night. So anyways, about 3.30 in the morning, me and my friend are sledgehammering the bricks out of the doorway of this building. <laughs> <laughs> and he had already ordered, like, his, his uncle ran a contracting company. So the next day, we put in doors. We put in the front door. We had locked it shut, and we started sending junk mail. Because that's what you did. You set up a paper trail. Yeah, so folks, uh, yeah. to stress out, squatting just doesn't mean breaking into an abandoned house. Like yeah. It literally means sort of like setting up a home. Yeah, which and is what we did. We ran the electrical. We ran the plumbing. We ran everything. And we were off the radar for about 10 years until they realized we were a squat. Oh, and wow. then they found out and then they tried to go through like, a, this was a, during Giuliani time. And uh, when they had rolled the streets down, uh, down 13th street and like, you know, people don't realize, but like, you know, like at that, uh, that was Rosaria Dawson's building, Lucky 13. Wow. Like she grew up in the squats too. Um, and uh, 
that was such a political fuck up that the city looked at Giuliani and was like, we can't do this. So they, they first what they did, they sent the fire department around to like make sure that like, oh, well, maybe we can legally evict these people. All our shit was to code. Wow. So basically we got a grant to be able to purchase the building. Which was like, Amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and that's the building that I still live in now. Fucking yeah, a. I didn't realize that was the yeah. same compound. That's yeah. great. But it was funny because I had a lot of people from like the the hardcore scene back in the day who were like, "Oh, well, you should. I'm an old stool squatter. You should just let me live here." And it was like, "No, you lived in a. You lived in. You know." And I had done that too. I had basically gone in. Oh, this building's abandoned. I'll just haul furniture in here and set up shop. I had done that too. But at this point, we had like we're. If you didn't have a trade skill, you didn't know how to do plumbing, you didn't know how to do sheetrock, you didn't know how to do roofing, something like that, yeah, we, I had no place for you, you know? And we took yeah. a lot of shit for that. People were like, oh, well, you guys are Nazis. You're not letting everybody... There's, I'm not trying to house everybody. Yeah. I'm trying to house my community, and these people are my community. Trying to build something, yeah. man. It's, it, it, it's, but it, it, it's, it's kind of fascinating when I look at how many things have gone away, and I was completely removed from that part of the scene. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize how significant that was. And that's not that fucking long ago. It's not. I mean, you're talking about when when did you move in there? You said so like 89, 89 right? So folks, like Nirvana is about to break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to just to put in a big timestamp context, yeah. like Teen Spirit's about to come out like in like 2 years and that shit's so or maybe 90. Chili Peppers were yeah. 90, that big out, you know, Blood yeah. Sugar was 90. So I, I just find that fascinating, and, and you know, the one of the cool things have been over the. I mean, it sort of sucks that we need to have them, but it's been those Thompson Square Park memor- uh, fundraiser shows. Yeah, and then everybody hangs out at the old, um, the old A bar. What's what's the what at uh, A seven Niagara? Yeah, yeah Niagara. That's yeah. it. Um, getting to see like semblances of what that is, and I think it's always I cool. I appreciate it, but I, th- I I'm not a nostalgia based guy, so I kind of like you know. To me, I'm trying to, like, figure out what's next. Yeah. You know? That's a good way to look at it. And for me, it's always a lot of people, like, being like, oh, back in the day was better. Dude, Musashi wasn't around back in the day. Right now, my dog is awesome. I love my dog. My dog is right now. My dog very much lives in the moment. I try to be as much like my dog as possible. My dog isn't worried about what happened a couple years ago. I I try to, more and more, I try to handle... I try to live more that way. Yeah. It's like, uh, otherwise, it's just too much weight, too much uh, fear, too much regret. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a ton but of it. I, but I totally get the same thing. I, I look back and I'm like, uh, what's the thing? So in like, it's, it's, we're recording this on May 6th. I think on May 14th, it was my last day in visual effects, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember just being like, so much in my life has changed since then. Yeah. So I'm going to be a full-time trainer eight years. Not the most incredibly long time, but I'm not a yeah. new trainer anymore. Yeah. And, um... You know, anything that I might have regretted that happened in the past brought me here, brought us to this conversation, yeah. brought me, you know, to two amazing kids. I wouldn't be a coach if I didn't have my yeah. daughter. Um, even though that marriage didn't ultimately end up working out, it was a good long run. And now, yeah. you know, I'm with Kim. The kids Kim's are doing rad as fuck, great. dude. Um, you know, uh, me randomly meeting you at a gym yeah. has taken, helped take me around the world. And you're my fucking, it's a fucking nerd out because you're the guy from burn absolution and canonize and all these bands that i love i'll say like what i like about those shows is i miss that whole thing as a long island kid and mike dijon and i talked about this when he was on the show like oh, I, mike. I, I didn't come in great dude i, I didn't come into the city for cbs and a lot a lot um you know part of it is i was lazy and i just wanted to skate i was yeah. like i'm not going to come in part of me admittedly now i could probably, like, I was probably scared to get my ass since probably i was scared to get my ass kicked left and right um so to see everybody and, and I didn't have friends in bands that way. So like, you know, I met you at five points and then through Kim's friends, I met like Jay Learup and Mike Dijon. Yeah. So, and just between you guys alone, I feel like there's 33 hardcore bands that I'm into that you have all yeah. been involved in. in but that's one the thing. Like, like, like you look at Mike Dijon, Mike Dijon is a total seeker. Dude, total seeker. You know, I love Mike. He's such a great musician. He loves music more than anything. You know, he's such a, I mean, He's, I mean, and he's just doing his thing. I fucking love that dude. Um, you know, he's he's one of the people. I've, I whenever I see him, it's just always. I don't see him a lot, but it's always just a good vibe. You know. Yeah. And those those are the people I try to stay around because, like the old the people that are always like, oh, back in the day it was so good. That was great. It was fucking awesome. You know, I just 
I can't get my head there because it, to me it's just depressing. <laughs> it is. It's depressing. It's like, you know, I I just think there's I'm not done yet. I am not done yet. I, I think that's like an important aspect that we keep moving forward. So I'm a nostalgia yeah. guy. I mean, folks, like I'm like, keep moving forward. You want to look at my G.I. Joe collection um, that I've rebought within the last year? <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, right? I'm nostalgic, but it's also like, you know, I, 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 I'm okay with like honoring, respecting, and being proud of where I'm at. Uh, I'm fortunate in, in, that I, even with regrets, I look at mostly the positives of my life when yeah. I look back. The shit that I used to feel like would make me feel miserable in high school and stuff or as a kid or even later, like, I don't, I don't carry that weight the same way. Like, I don't yeah. think of myself as being like this chubby, pimple-faced, mullet-wearing kid that nobody wants to be around. I probably was actually never really that kid to begin with. Yeah. It was my own perception of it or how, like, maybe a couple of assholes made me think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't look back on that and be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I joke about it sometimes. But it doesn't seem as severe because, no. you know, as you get older, more severe shit happens. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, certainly negative side uh, or, uh, uh, of it getting older and be clearly, I, you know, I've had a, a, a lot of friends that have friends in the hardcore scene that weren't close to me. A lot of people passing on in the yeah. last couple of years. We're at that point in my life where people are going to die. And I've just, you know, it's like, I don't want to seem callous about it, but that's just part of this whole journey. People are going to pass, you know, whether we want them to or not, they're going to die. It's this weird stage where there's a certain point, you know, people get out of school, maybe they go to college, maybe they go to, you know, do their art, whatever. And then they, people start getting married and then people start having kids. And then like, I know I was among the first friends to start getting divorced, start having massive close to midlife career changes, start. And then now we're in this phase where, family members are starting to die you know and friends are starting to pass because it's just fucking law of averages and years going by that you're just closer Mm -hmm. and going back to that moving forward like i really it i forgot what fucking i was watching i was listening to some song i wish i could name it i'll I'll tag it if i can remember it but i was listening to some song and it made me oh it was fucking fugazi sweet and low right fugazi sweet and low beautiful instrumental track and that's instrumental track right yeah it is yeah It's the opening to In on the Kill Taker, if I'm correct. But I started getting so fucking wrapped up in that, like, I remember listening to that song, what's that, 93, that album? Maybe 92, right? So many fucking years have happened. And I think of, like, all the years skateboarding, all the years that I've done this and that, building up two careers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm relatively short time. You know, I'm probably halfway there. Maybe maybe a little less, right? In terms of quality years, probably less. I'm like, fuck, man, it started to bum me out a moment. Then I'm like, but, like, we have this now. Like, now's like, that's the most motivating fucking thing. So that's, yeah. what, that's what I love when I when I see cats like you or Mike Dijon who's crushing it, not only playing with Chromax, but like King yeah. Bounty, um, making stuff happen now as opposed to just saying, like, ah, we're too old for that shit. Like, I hate that stuff. Yeah. You know, it goes back to the whole fitness thing. Like, I can't do that anymore. I'm too old for that. Well, you just got to take a different approach and have more realistic expectations on certain things. No, absolutely. It's funny because, like, you know, again, like, talking, like, you know, like, Larry Larry Betts, who owns Brooklyn Athletic Club, one of my closest friends, long, you know, long time. And, you know, he he said it, you know, and I'm not, he's not the first to say it. No, like, I'll say it myself. You know, my my 550-pound deadlift, raw, is way behind me, you know? It's like, it's like I said, it's like, you know, today, today I did... I put, I was like body weight on a fucking, on a, on a, on a stubby fat bar, you know, three, three reps every minute on a minute for 20 minutes. And then I did, uh, you know, swings and squats. And then I finished up with body weight, Romanian split squats. Yeah. You know, was a, that was leg day. You know, that's, that's how boring my fucking sessions are. But it's like, you know, it's, you know, I get my volume in different ways. You know, I love on and, the minute stuff like that. I, I do that with almost everything these yeah. days. And uh, it's, you know, it's to me, it's like it's funny because like I've been able to reinvent like I've been playing. I started a couple months ago, like playing with grip set stuff, like weird grips, like, you know, the globe and the dog bone. And a couple of my guys have started really getting into it. And they're younger. Like this one kid that trains here. This kid uh, is one of our assistant coaches, Sinclair, who's. Um, he's 125 pounds. He's so fucking strong and he's so quick. 
and curse him for his youth. Uh, <laughs> but like, and watching him, like you know, like, like he sees the stuff that I'm doing, and I'm like, he's like, and like doing it better in a way. And I yeah. fucking love that. Like, you know, I started like breaking out like the gymnastics wings again and like, you know, doing my, putting it. So I'm getting like full motion rotation on my pull-ups and getting into like really having to stabilize on dips and working really intrinsic things and not worrying so much about moving massive amount of weight, but trying to like manipulate the weight that I am and maybe adding a weight vest to it or some plates or stuff like that. I mean, I'm happy I can put on, you know, I can put a, a you know, a 40, 45 pound weight vest on and do like sets of five to six, you know, pull-ups and, you know, it's like, for my age, I'm strong, but I'm not gonna, you know, try to like, like I said, load up a straight bar and be like, yeah, I'm gonna pull 450 for three. You know, that's just not where I'm at. And I'm sure like, I'm sure there's guys my age that are doing that, but I don't, and I'm not, I'm making assumptions because maybe they move extremely well. For me right now, my focus is trying to be like fluid with jujitsu and fluid with Muay Thai. And I know that me personally, once I start to lift over a certain amount of weight, I neurologically, I slow down Yeah. and speed is king in all athletics in my opinion. So it comes uh, down, it comes down to goal and it comes down to periodization and waving know. it. I think the thing with the deadlift is people want it to be a perpetual ladder. Right, yeah. as opposed to like you know backing off, taking a it's break. Cycl- it's, it's so cyclical. I literally just deadlifted myself like first session in I don't know a year and a half, yeah. almost two years. Last week at Catalyst, yeah. I was like, I feel like deadlifting and benching. Just I always love benching. I know it's not the best thing for you at a certain degree. I have a, I have a Swiss bar, but I love I benching. Have a, I have a Swiss bar and. I tend to like do all my all my bench stuff now is really I like dumbbell work, you know. Yeah, I, prefer generally speaking. I prefer speaking. dumbbell, um, you know, and it's like you know, I'm, at my age, I'm looking less at the at the two to five rep range and more of the six to ten rep range, and, you know, because I'm trying to like keep some muscle on and, you know. Well, speaking of Larry, Larry, last time I was out there, I taught a DVRT workshop at his place. Well, um, we're we're like. Just realizing we're all, we've got Brooklyn between the three of us covered right yeah. now, like yeah. literally like three points of Brooklyn yeah. right now. Um, Larry is saying, you know, at, at his age, like he's doing a lot of more high volume stuff because he's bodybuilding to some degree. Yeah. Because you hit a certain age, you really got to keep maintain your muscle mass, and that yeah. becomes a consideration. Yeah. And Larry, Larry, who's a couple couple years beyond me, is in fucking phenomenal fucking shape. Yeah. And that's the thing about it is that like. You know, that's what I want people to, like, you know, like, and that's a matter of development because Larry has trained for so long consistently. And that's the thing about it. It was like training, training, it's like, it's like a diet. It's like, you know, you can't just go in and be like, yeah, I'm going to fucking drop all this weight in a fucking month. You have to be patient about it. You have to allow your body to adapt. And you have to set up like a dietary format that your body can adapt to and make sense. And that is like reasonable, you know, we need to, we, you know, we need, we're starting to, like I said, we're on the right side of the bell curve of this extreme fitness. And I'm really hoping that it gets more towards the, let's call it the age of reason within, <laughs> within the fitness and wellness community. And I look to guys like, uh, I know there's people on YouTube that I really like. Like I really like Alan Robertson because he does a lot to do. He has a lot to do with fat, with with dealing with special special uh, population. Like he does. Him and his wife do a lot of of fat loss, and they deal with a lot of clinically obese uh, clients. And he does a lot of great work, and he's very pragmatic about it. And he himself, I mean, he's dropped seventy pounds from like he was like you know a power lifter, and he's in his forties. He was like you know. You know, he's squatting well into, the, like, I think, like, close to 600 raw. Wow. You know? Um, but, like, you know, and he's another one who said, like, you know, like, maybe I need to take... Because here's the thing about it. Like, even at that, like, I went through a situation where I was, like, you know, I was I was weighing, like, 250, and I wasn't really... I didn't move well. I didn't feel well. I was strong. But I was also looking at my bone frame, and I'm like, you know, that's not just good. It's not good for my structure, and it's not going to help me live longer. And... 
you know, that kind of like overweight is overweight. And it doesn't matter if you're like all muscle, your body is only meant to carry. Yeah, people so don't much put that in perspective when they look at like, you yeah. know, if you go into like Schwarzenegger mode or somebody up there, like, yeah. you look at that Ronnie Coleman docu- documentary. Oh my out God, there, yeah. Like, you know, nine back surgeries in that your bones want. So it's like, it's, it's interesting, you know, like Rollins did that famous article that we all love that um, Iron in the Soul and the yeah. details thing that he wrote. But he doesn't do the same thing now. No. You know, you. I, I just listened to an old podcast with Steve Maxwell, and the same thing. Yeah. But at a certain point, you have to adapt around it. You have it. to adapt around that. And it's like, you know, there's guys like him. I'm pretty sure everybody, everybody's pretty aware of fucking, like, Jeff Cavillary of Athlete X. Like, you know, very, very pragmatic about his fucking training. Um and he's also just a smart guy. He's a PT who's also like, he was like, you know, he was a strength coach for the Mets. Like, and he knows his shit. Um, there's a uh, guy with James's last name. I forget, but shredded sports science. These are all th- like references off of YouTube that like I've checked into that I like, you know, that are, you know, they step away from this whole fantastic of like, you know, looking at the, the the magazine or the or or that op shot of like when the person's shredded, that is a moment in time that is not sustainable. Yeah. You know, let's talk about sustainability. Let's talk about betterment. Let's talk about things that are going to, you know, prolong your life. Yeah, you know? I, I I'd agree. Like, there's it's it's finding the area that is realistic. Yeah. At this point in time, for the person. And then where does that change as we move forward, as opposed to trying to just wedge something in that's completely unrealistic? Yeah. Because it won't work. It won't work. Um, hey, brother, we're going to have to end this because I'm going to have to go. I'm out of change for the meter. <laughs> I've never I have to go home and empty the dog. So, All yeah, right. A- so where can people find out more about you? Um, I can be found. Uh, the main Instagram that I work off of is the Physical Culture Collective uh, Instagram. That's, the, that's our IG. I can my my personal IG is GVV Strong. You can reach out to us here at uh, Physical Culture Collective at gmail.com. Um, that is always the best way to reach me because I like I do have my personal email which I reserve for my personal accounts. Anything fitness related, that's the best way to reach me. I don't really I mean as far as like reaching out to me music wise. Facebook, Gavin Van Vlack at Facebook. I don't um, right now musically. My focus right now, really, the only thing I've been doing musically is writing uh, writing clips for our videos that have been, we've been putting out for the jujitsu module, the fitness module, stuff like that. Right now, musically, I'm not doing any stage work. I'm not touring. Um, like the canonized thing, I, I, I just released that record. I have some material that I'm looking to re- release. But right now, my focus right now is making the whole physical culture collective thing as strong as possible because I have a lot of really, really awesome things going on with it I'm really psyched about. Nice. Selfishly, I want to see Canonize live. That fucking shit crushes. Thank you so much. Um, uh, um, that, that stuff, you can find the Canonize. Pretty much anything that I've released, you can find on Spotify. Canonized. Um, Die Burn, 116. Die 116. That stuff has all been re-released. Uh, you know, yeah. And if you have any questions for me, you can hit me up at GVV Strong. That's my that's you know, that's my personal IG. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And you know, like I said, reach out if you have a question. Hey, I forgot to do this the last couple episodes. Tell the listeners to die mighty. Yo, you heard the man. Die mighty. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, brother. Peace. Folks, check out Physical Culture Collective and definitely check out uh, Canonize, man. Uh, just to throw this in as a fanboy, uh, one of the things that I do connect with these old hardcore bands uh, when people put out new shit is that I can feel the same fire inside that I felt. I'll text Gavin usually like, I know when the new Burn album came out, I was like, yeah, and suddenly I'm 18 again. Um, folks, keep that fire going. All right. Die mighty. Here's Bottle Rocket by Gavin's band, Canonized.
The Coach Fury Podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by The FTW. Visit the FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com, that's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A, or follow him on Instagram at glengurrieta. Voice over by Laura Palmer.